0: Hi everyone and welcome to Marketplace Jungle. Today's guest is Jason Wyatt, co-founder of Marketplacer, an Australian technology company which enables established retail businesses to open their doors to third-party sellers by becoming a marketplace. For the European listeners among you, Bike Exchange is one of the customers who you might recognize, actually Jason's first company. But in Australia, where there are now more than 40 notable marketplaces, Marketplacer has helped some of the biggest names, including Chemist Warehouse, Woolworths, Meyer, and more, to leverage this new business model. In this episode, expect to learn how Lance Armstrong, winning the Tour de France, inspired Jason to quit his cushy accounting job to build a cycling marketplace, how Maya grew their online revenue from $60 million to three quarters of a billion since working with Marketplacer, whether becoming a marketplace is a viable way for you to grow your own business, and Jason's recommendations to take advantage of the 40-plus marketplaces that are now available in Australia. Jason, thank you so much for joining to talk about your business oh, Thanks, though. Jesse, and it's, um, it's great to be part of your community
1: for a short time.
0: Jason, can you tell us a little bit about your own personal journey into e-commerce before you founded Marketplace? How did you get started? I like to
1: call myself a frustrated accountant. I was actually working in London for Morgan Stanley and Reuters after qualifying as a chartered accountant a kpmg and i i just got so frustrated in working in the past you know a lot of accountants are just so focused on financial reporting and historically but i just wanted i was a creator and i wanted to create something and solve problems that you know that that, that i thought i could really make an impact and the first market that we started was was actually the cycling market back in 2007. When we looked at this market, Lance Armstrong just won a Tour de France and we just saw this huge influx of mammals, middle-aged men in Lycra who wanted to take up cycling and they were, they were spending 20, you know, 10, 5,000 euro on a bike. It was a highly fragmented industry, I think alone in Germany. There was 5,000 bike stores that they could buy from. And there was no way that these stores could really ever get any power into Google or actually advertise in an online world. So, you know, we came up with the idea to create bike exchange for new and used bikes, but really bring a classified site. Like my would be the best example or auto trader in the UK and create the destination for cycling globally. So we created bike exchange and in doing that. We just realized how hard marketplaces were, had to be an incredible sales, especially from scratch, because you had no unfair advantage. You didn't have any customers or consumers. You didn't know any suppliers at the start you didn't know any stores back when i first started a business i didn't know how to sell i didn't know anything about technology and i didn't know anything about customer success or support or any of the other core functions so the reality is it was just too hard to create a marketplace and in doing so we thought actually we stumbled across the idea of marketplace in saying, well how do we package up not only the technology product but how do we make it easier for people to create marketplaces and then how do we make it easier because marketplaces they cost too much and they take too long right like across the board so the ultimate problem that we're solving now at Marketplace is how do we make it easier and faster to scale marketplaces and in doing that we've gone to some of the best businesses around the world and partnered with them to accelerate their marketplace journey through you know one you know you know leading technology and modern architecture really flexible to use that two Yeah, having that real expertise of knowing and ingrained within our organisation of knowing the secret source or at least some of the secret source in creating a marketplace to make it easier and faster for you to scale. And then three, truly just being nice people, easy to work with and really deeply focused on a partnership-based approach behind creating a marketplace because it's a journey, no different to any other strategic business. See, creating a marketplace, it's not like creating a new It's not like putting in a new email marketing tool where you want to increase the conversion by 0.22 of a percent, which it's an equation then. It's strategic. It's the next big thing, big or medium businesses do in their journey to drive the next big outcome in commerce. It's a double-digit growth strategy every single time is what we tell our people, our operators that want to turn into marketplaces. So in doing so, you need to pick a partner that you trust, who's easy to work with, has the right mentality behind the future, and you can go on that journey for a 10-year period with. And we've been fortunate enough that lots of these large enterprises and great e-commerce businesses from all over the world have joined our community and believe in us.
0: Can you name some names, some marketplaces that are built on the marketplace of technology?
1: um, we um, We have some of the most incredible clients from all over the world. Uh, we've got some we can't announce in Europe, which are household names, and I'm desperate, I'm desperate to, to announce. We've got a-
0: we can get you back on another time, and you can tell everyone about them as well as they're we ready.
1: We have a very leading retailer in the UK. We have a, a massive retailer uh, within, within within the German marketplace as well. Um, we've got some great businesses in the Nordics, but I'll give you some examples of the types of businesses. That, we're, that we've been able, that we've been able to help across the journey and really assist. So Woolworths is the largest grocery or supermarket retailer within the APAC region. So they're a $90 billion retailer. They deliver their every Australian household every single day, twice a day, ambient and refrigerated. So they're a behemoth of a retailer. And we've, uh, we've been fortunate enough to work with them, and plug the marketplace of technology into their existing technology stack. And really help them launch the everyday market, which now has 28,000 products for sale. So they have 8,000 1PL products and 28,000 products for sale. Um, So now you can go to, you know, the largest grocery retailer and, you know, you can purchase a range extension, say for the dogs and pets category. So you can dog beds and um, dog kennels and, you know, all the different leashes and all the different collars and different dog bowls. Things that they know their customers are buying, but they just weren't buying from Woolworths, and then they've even actually started to extend out into a much broader range. So they, you know, they crawl, walk, run approach. They really wanted to test their and focus on their customer first, but now they've branched out into toys for Christmas, into into alcohol and the alcohol category to range extend into that category. They've really branched out into even some homewares and appliances into. Barbecues and starting to get into the backyard. So you know, and ultimately, if you think about a business like Woolworths, why they created a marketplace is they clearly had an unfair advantage. They had every single customer in the country. All the, they had that one of the most trusted loyalty programs in the country. They had definitely one of the most trusted brands within the country. So who better to range extend that the person you trust the most and you believe in the most from? And it's been it's been an incredible success on the back of that. Another re- really interesting one is uh, Qantas. So so Qantas is, okay. is the airline. airline. the biggest airline you go, well what are you what are you doing for Qantas? Um, but Qantas mm. is an economy within itself. So you can go on to the Qantas store now and with your point, you can buy nine hundred brands and thousands and thousands of products with your Qantas loyalty points. So instead of just selling airfares or just selling holidays, how Qantas have innovated and created one of the best loyalty programs in the world was by creating their marketplace. So again, now it's an economy within its own world. You can use your cash, but everybody, I assume, uses their points within that. So it's the real convergence of loyalty versus e-commerce merged into one and in a marketplace. So it's an incredibly innovative and great success story. Another really good one is Chemist Warehouse. So they're the number one drugstore or pharmacy within this region. And again, all anchored around the customer, their unfair advantage. They had unbelievable power with the supplier base or, or trust from the supplier base. They had unbelievable they had an unbelievable consumer base that deeply trusted them. So they just range extend. They range extended into beauty. They range extended into more vitamin categories. They range extended into lots of new categories, which they could never sell. And ultimately having a raging success in, in operating their marketplace. So there's three really powerful, but good examples as well.
0: I presume in the case of the Qantas marketplace, the sellers selling on this marketplace will get paid in dollars and cents and not in Qantas points. And that's something that, Your technology is enabling as well, is the conversion and payout. Yeah, well,
1: it's really interesting because they've already solved that problem. They had actually, and this is a a really good point, point, Jesse, that you raise, is how do we then connect into an existing e-commerce engine? So they already had, Cornus was already powered by Commerce Tools, which is a great German business, as we know, (laughs) and Dirk and the team there, we know very well, they're fantastic to us. But we partnered with, so the e-commerce experience was built on Commerce Tools, and then they'll actually re-platform their old dropship business to Marketplacer. They wanted to improve their delivery times. They wanted to make it easier for sellers to connect it. They wanted to scale their marketplace payouts. They wanted to scale their their product ingestion capability. So then, so the, their internal team and their SI partner actually assisted and built commerce tools back into Marketplacer. So all the conversion is done in a, you know, plugging into commerce tools and they, and then they push that back into us. And it's what we actually find is our constant go-to-market motion is because, again, like the problem we solve solved from day one of starting this business, so started with it, costs it costs too much and it takes too long, right? So that's the problem we're solving. But I also think you need an, it's, it's better if you have an unfair advantage in creating a marketplace. And the unfair advantage is what we've seen is it's always anchored around two things. The first is do you have an existing customer base? if you're already shipping products, you're processing returns, you're doing line item adjustments on invoice, you understand how to market, then the reality is to add more products into that ecosystem is a lot easier than starting from scratch. So ultimately, it's easier if you already have an existing commerce business, which means you typically have an existing commerce engine. So something we've identified, especially as we've um, scaled globally is how do we partner with the incredible e-commerce platforms out there and make it easier if you're on Adobe Commerce or Salesforce Commerce Cloud or Commerce Tools or Big Commerce or Shopify to turn into a marketplace? Uh, turn into a marketplace. <clears throat> so we've built we've built plugins and extensions and listed in their app stores. And then the second thing we've done is we've you know we have spent a lot of time and effort and energy in training um, the global SI community around those platforms. Um, around how to implement marketplace and roll out marketplace with your e-commerce platform.
0: What, what's S- a SI sorry? integrator.
1: So businesses like Accenture, like okay. Digital, um, Overdose, OS, OSF, Trizens in the UK, Boink, um, and we have so many partners now on a global basis. So you're not alone. No matter where you are in the world, they can assist you with marketplace, and and they've all gone through accreditation, and they're all incredible partners. So. Again, the mission is it it takes too long and it costs too much. So how do we help our businesses turn into marketplaces? That's one way we thought of to help it.
0: So you you mentioned quite a range of different platforms there. And I love that you use that definition. You use the differentiation between platform and marketplace because I quite often have to explain... That, for example, Amazon or eBay is not a platform, it's a marketplace. And I use the responsibility of generating traffic as the differentiator. You are responsible for generating traffic, you're a platform. If the traffic is there and you're responsible for generating product, then it's a marketplace. And I'm curious, you mentioned a, li- a big list of platforms there, Big Commerce, Shopify, Adobe. There's obviously a range of businesses that would use those in terms of size and scale. And becoming a marketplace is obviously an interesting way of adding new products to an existing inventory to service your existing traffic. Yeah, you only get to keep fifteen, roughly 15% of whatever comes through, but it's a good way of making sure that your existing already captured audience buys from you instead of going to, going somewhere else. But at what point should a business decide, I want to become a marketplace rather than just, I want to sell on other marketplaces or focus on my own site? Is, is Can anyone become a marketplace? Is it something that only household names should do?
1: It's a really great question. And it's something we've um, challenged ourselves for a long time internally at Marketplace around. And ultimately you're asking the question is, what's your, what's your right to play? Like, you know, as, as a business, what's, what gives you the right to play and turn into a marketplace? And I, and I've, I've always anchored around those two things that I spoke about before is in any business strategy that you do, if you've got an unfair advantage leverage it like and, and exploit the now and then explore the future so exploiting a now is so if you know if you're a, if you're a first time startup you've got a couple of skews i actually probably say it's not for you like i think it's i think you should join the marketplace community and sell across all of our wonderful marketplaces which I'm sure we can talk about in a moment. But I do feel you need a certain level of scale to adopt a marketplace strategy. You can anchor around a few things. So I'll give you a prime example. So Barbecue's Galore in this region, you know, they weren't doing hundreds of millions of dollars. They were my estimate was that they're doing sub $100 million turnover in TTV at the time, but they owned the barbecue space. But the problem with the barbecue space is you only buy one every five years when you buy a house or you burn it out, right? So it's not the type of thing that you're in the market for all the time. So what they were trying to do by creating their marketplace was increase the lifetime value of their customer. What else could they sell them once they knew they were buying a barbecue? Because the chances are, the first thing you do when you buy a barbecue Is you want to do the, you know, the first thing you do when you do your backyard up is you buy a barbecue and then you buy everything else around it, don't you? You buy the outdoor chairs. You might buy a pool and then you want pool chairs and then you'll buy out, then you'll buy a fire pit. Then you'll buy, you might buy a a trampoline for your kids in the backyard. So they were a Salesforce Commerce Cloud customer. They, they, which one of our incredible partners here in this region in to execute the marketplace strategy, they downloaded the cartridge. So they, their cost to get it live was less, but then now they've opened their categories up and they've increased the lifetime value of their customers significantly through selling to them in the middle phase of it. Another good example of a maybe a more medium-sized business is Surfstitch. Um, so the problem Surfstitch, they were incredible surf Retailer, really quite famous, but they nailed the accessories and the apparel. They couldn't sell surfboards. Could you believe that? They were the number one surfboard retailer but didn't sell surfboards. Why? Because surfboards are hard. They're ugly products. There's so many sizes. There's so many brands. So what did they do? They put all the surfboards in their marketplace. They got shipped from different locations, but people didn't care, but it made perfect sense for them. They increased their lifetime customer value that increase the worth of their brand. So although you may not be a Woolworths, or you may not have the scale of a chemist warehouse, there's still a really great place to pay if you're a customer-centric organization and you're focused on that customer journey of the life and really understanding them and being more meaningful and serving them in a different way.
0: But that's, a, that's a perfect example, the Stitch example, of, of what I was thinking of in the sense that smaller or medium-sized retailer that... You know, they're, they're not a household name, but they've got maybe they've got a decent marketing team or someone that's good at getting traffic to their site. And the issue that they're facing is that they don't have the right products to cater to that audience. Sure, you've got to convince the big surfboard retailers to sell on your marketplace, but assuming they can make that easy through a technology like Marketplacer, being, converting this existing e-commerce store into a marketplace, big or small, is also then, if you build it, they will come. In a way if you start advertising the products that are relevant to your customers then you will inevitably find more of those customers who will then discover your existing it's really
1: interesting right because we were working uh and these are these public these this public business the one i was going to talk about now but we one of our first ever and and we're really proud of it was our first ever marketplace was a business in this region called Maya and they were the they were the largest department store,
0: mm. it's like the Australian Debenhams, right? It's, yeah, that's it's huge.
1: Right. It, it, it's, yeah, a household name. it's again a household name, but they, but you know, they, they were anchored really around you know apparel, shoes, um, uh, beauty, and fashion, right? That was the core of that was the core of their business. When you look at their business today, and when we first started working with them, I think they were sixty, or maybe seventy million online. And now they're three quarters of a billion online, so they have had exponential growth in their online business over the, you know, the five to six years. Like extraordinary results in a hyper-competitive market. And you kind of go, well, how much of that is the marketplace? I'm not allowed to disclose individual figures, but there's one big key difference that a marketplace, besides the pure TTV or transaction volume that rolls through it, that it can provide for you, is because you're in more categories. Because you're indexing more products in Google, you get more search volume. And just because they come in through the market, through the search volume on a third-party product, the attachment rate on 1PL product goes through the roof if you've got the right product in stock. (coughs) So the old old concept of marketplaces eat the world in Google and search, like there's some sense behind it, right? Because the more meaningful you are to your customer, the more SKUs and categories that you can appear in in Google, the more relevancy score that you'll be able to track from Google and the more traffic that you'll get. So not only will you be able to get more organic traffic, you'll be able to you know, place more SEM and search and paid search traffic. And what we find is anecdotally that the floating tide, what is it, the, the rising tide floats the boat and we see it across the board with the marketplace strategy as well.
0: So in your experience, Why would Maya not also sell surfboards? Why shouldn't every marketplace become, I mean, obviously there's only one Amazon and Amazon, you can go and you can buy a a fancy suit or you can buy some perfume or you can buy a surfboard or some solar panels or whatever you want. What's to stop Maya or why would or wouldn't Maya do the same or a business like Maya? Where's the line in the sand? I think, uh, well, I actually think my do self-service
1: <laughs>
0: Okay, I mean it is an Aussie retail, an Aussie yeah. uh, retail sense, right. sporting
1: equipment, and have launched completely the sporting equipment on the on the back of the marketplace. They've launched furniture and the kids, you know, kids and, and and nursery furniture on the back of the marketplace within it. But I think the ultimate question is when is too much for a single brand, and when you start to degrade your brand. And I think that that the the good thing is, is the power of that is up to the individual operator of the marketplace. You're the custodian of your brand. You're the custodian of the products that you put on it. So you don't have to put endless amounts of products on it. But the beautiful thing behind a marketplace is you can grow without the need of holding inventory and you can grow without the need of opening more warehouses. And you can grow without the need of shipping it yourself or picking it and packing it. So what that enables you to do is be fast into trial stuff. You can fail faster. You can try new categories. And what we've seen across the board is some marketplaces have started out and they've said, I'll never sell those categories or those products. Well, they've tried it, and now they're not only selling them in their marketplace, they're selling them in their stores. So (laughs) I think my key message behind it is crawl, walk, run. Don't do extreme things to your customers or your brand from day one. But within the marketplace world, the cost of testing or the cost of a quick failure isn't catastrophic. You didn't buy the inventory. You've got no lead time behind it, and you can definitely do it at a lot faster pace behind it. But it's been a fascinating journey to see the business that says, I will never, and then all of a sudden it becomes a very big seller for them.
0: What's the difference between a business becoming a marketplace and a business becoming a dropshipper?
1: I think it's a really good question because dropship platforms have ultimately been born from sending feeds into existing businesses. And they haven't, I don't think they've sat back historically and holistically solved the problem of selling shit that you don't own. (laughs) And how do you pay them? How do you do it in different locations? How do you bring in all of their inventory? How do you map and sync all of that inventory? How do then you connect into other ecosystems of sellers? For example, with Marketplacer, um, we've recently launched the, the Marketplacer Seller Community. Now, this isn't just sellers joining Marketplacer. This is a community of sure sellers can join Marketplacer, and Marketplacer has its own. We call it M Connect, where if you're a Shopify seller, you can easily connect your Shopify store onto one of our marketplaces. If you're an Adobe Commerce, you can easily connect it. If you're a Big Commerce, so we have seller connectors but there's a world where marketplace is part of a global ecosystem of sellers <clears throat> so we have also partnered with amazing channel amazing channel managers around the world because i think if you're already selling on ebay and amazon our view of the world is you can't change the seller's behavior they just want to make it easy to sell across everything right so if you're already using channel engine or channel Advisor or or whatever channel manager you're using just to sell on another marketplace, you don't want to have to go and join that one as well. You just want to add another channel. So marketplace, as opposed to just having our own community, we're fully embracing every single seller network out there and bring it together in a single destination. So by joining the marketplace community, you can join every seller that exists out there in a much faster and easier way.
0: Interesting. So I want to I, just to come back to that question then, because you mentioned when you were. Talking about dropshipping versus marketplaces, you mentioned the word ownership, which I think is a really important part. If I'm becoming a marketplace and I'm adding the products being which are sold by another brand, whether it's a competitor or a partner or, or whoever, I don't, do I have to purchase it te- from a technical perspective? I'm buying the product from that partner in the moment it is sold to the consumer and then I'm effectively reselling it. So I'm the merchant of record on my own website still. And it's just that I'm buying it from these guys in that split second and then paying them out, I guess, 30 days later or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, I think historically that you're right, right? Like, so the the ownership transfer, the minute that item's purchased, the ownership and liability of that then transfers to you with like a normal single product. So it's nearly just like you're extending your physical inventory with virtual inventory, but your finance and reconciliation processes are all very similar to your traditional business. And in a true but the reality is in any marketplace platform, they've all got dropship capabilities. So you can do that across a marketplace platform today, across the marketplace of platform today. But then when you get into true marketplaces, you actually never own the inventory. You're still merchant of record, right? The customer still needs to transact with you. But there's it's a zero risk gain ultimately, right? Because the, the seller ships the item. And then once the customer has received that item, Then you just pay the seller less your commissions, which we automatically calculate for you. And it gets more complicated than that. So it's your, it's the total transaction value less the commissions, less any returns or light item adjustments, or merchant fees or buy now pay later fees that automatically then get tran that 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 then can get transferred to the seller. So the complexity in that and the finance reconciliation is something that Marketplace. Um, does as well um, across that. So you can sell without ever taking ownership of the product. You can sell with zero inventory risk, with zero financial risk. And at the end of the day, you can just transfer what is owed to that seller post them delivering it to the customer.
0: I guess it costs a lot of money to get started though. It's not going to be a cheap process to convert my Shopify website into a marketplace that enables anyone else to sell their products on my, on my site. That's what
1: you mean by cheap. So, uh, the, and that's something we, we work with all our operators on is, is it worth the sweat? Are you big enough? Does it make sense? And, and we assist them with some business, make, business case modeling to say, well, cause th- this is what I think every commerce business should do. They should evaluate everything they could do in the world and what's going to get in there faster. <laughs> and, and doing a marketplace strategy is no different behind that, right? So if it's cheaper and better for you to buy more inventory and put it in your warehouse, we'll tell you it's a better outcome for your business if we think it's better for you to grow without the need of holding inventory and create a marketplace model we'll tell you that as well so i just think it depends is the answer so is it cheap well it's more around the reward sometimes that you get is it cheaper than opening up a new store filling it full of stock uh filling it full of staff (laughs) Having a DC to distribute to it, having a fulfillment center to Senate, you bet you it's a lot cheaper than that. And it has a much more potential for scalability.
0: Is there like a, a rough line in the sand that you can give from a, if my annual turnover as a business is, I don't know, is it 5 million? Is it 20? Is it a hundred million? At what point should I be considering this?
1: Uh, I think you should be considering it from 10 million. And I think you should get okay. serious from twenty. And I think if you're over a hundred, you should be doing it.
0: B two B marketplaces as well.
1: B two B is interesting. In I think it's going to be a really interesting category. Uh, we definitely have some B two B customers within it, but we've just seen at the moment the B two C marketplace is growing faster, and that's because the like I don't think you're completely changing business or human behaviour in doing a B two C marketplace. Whereas I I think the B2B space has some maturing to do over a period of time, but it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If you've got an existing group of stores or resellers or sellers that you sell into, why do you have to own your inventory, right? Because ultimately a lot of distributors and a lot of wholesalers, they basically become um, banks necessarily. They're nearly banks ultimately. They're nearly facilitators of inventory and banks. And then they've got to provide a lot of service around the product as well, right? So don't get me wrong. They've got to do the training and education. They've got to do the warranty. They've got to do the returns process and they become the advocate for the brand. But why do they need to have it in their warehouse to do that when they're selling pallets and containers they don't? So, you know, it's an incredibly interesting space, but the uptake of it versus B2C marketplaces is not as fast. But I think it's going to be an incredibly exciting piece for the future.
0: There's obviously a big name in, in Australia with Trade Square. There's no end of other B2B marketplaces popping up around the world. Uh, Metro is pretty big here in Germany and beyond. I'm curious for your perspective on the Australian marketplace market in general, because I remember the last time I really paid attention to it was pre-Brexit. And we were helping British retailers expand internationally. And that was usually first step, Europe, second step, Australia, third step, APAC. And at the time, it was only really eBay. And then at some point, Amazon popped up and there was a bit of song and dance, but it kind of fizzled and then nothing happened for a few years. And then the world exploded. We had Brexit, we had COVID, we had everything else in between. Now you look at Australia and there's... It feels like there's more marketplaces there than in, in a lot of other countries. Are there and I I've got to ask you to put your impartiality hat on and look outside of the marketplacer universe. If I'm a British or a European retailer expanding to Australia, are there some good channels that you can recommend that allow solutions for logistics that have good options for helping make it easy and remove as many of those cross-border barriers that i might face can you re- make any recommendations there for how they could expand to australia yeah so
1: firstly my uh, recommendations on which channels to go on um, is any that make it easy and any that can help you grow that align your brand and your products <laughs> Why wouldn't you as long as the commercials work once you start that connected journey just go hard and fast and i've just seen beat businesses completely transform on the back of it there's an incredible local logistics consolidator called ship it here uh, by having a ship it okay. account you can ship you can ship by any carrier to any postcode and it, it pre-calculated dims, so it makes it easy to get true coverage in a really hard country to get coverage on, if you can imagine. Like like what are we mm-hmm. a population of 23 million people and it's something like, and we have three cities of 5 million people. So, and then the other two mm-hmm. cities have about one and then two million people. So the rest of the country, they're everywhere and it's really vast. So we're, you know, we're, we're, we're not like your typical German like the, the little villages and little micro cities everywhere. We are very densely populated in a couple of spots, and that and there's a thousand kilometres between each of them at least. So the logistics has been a core component of survival for e-commerce in this country, and Shipit have done an, an incredible job behind behind consolidating it and really making it easy for people to use. So I recommend
0: they do like the last mile effectively, or so you like ship it from say Germany to a Shipit location, and they will.
1: Yeah, I caveat, I don't know whether they, uh, I don't know whether they do the international stuff from Germany though, uh, but uh, okay. uh, it's an amazing can, country. Can, can... I should know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> what does is,
0: what is a typical Aussie consumer look like? Because we're in, the, in Europe and in the US, people expect things same day, next day, and I remember a while ago in Australia, it Aussies, I mean, Aussies are world renowned for being a bit more laid back anyway. But if you know that you're buying a product from an overseas seller, that's one thing you can expect that it's going to take a long time to get there. And Aussies were used to waiting two to five weeks for a product to arrive if it was bought online. But now that the e-commerce market has kind of exploded in Australia, I'm guessing those expectations have changed as well?
1: I think the answer is ultimately it depends. Like the reality is a huge portion of our deliveries now that are instant. So they're on the Uber, the Deliveroo network. So you can order it and they can deliver it to your house straight away. Um, And then there's there's desirable products that you're prepared to wait for that as long as you tell a consumer the expectations and they order it, they're completely fine with. So the more commoditized the product is, the faster they want it has been my natural reaction to that question. And the lower the price point, the quicker they want it as well. And then the more desired, the longer they'll wait. So, you know, I think you need to pick your path. Understand it's a very, very competitive market, that there's some incredible players in the market with big distribution power. So just because we're a long way and we've got a smaller population, actually it's hyper competitive because of that. But at the same breath, I see there's some, some European brands and 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 sellers there's some incredible opportunities for brands just have never even been discovered in this market so i strongly encourage you reach out reach out to our um to our seller community and and, you know we can help you engage in some of the biggest channels in this country really quickly
0: fantastic okay jason i'm very aware of your time i appreciate that it's quite late where you are so i think we can call it a day there i am definitely going to ask you to come back and tell us all about these future marketplaces that you can't tell us about today i'm really excited to hear what names are going to be added to the marketplace portfolio it sounds like it's going to be some big ones so hopefully that's going to be very interesting for for sellers to expand into once they've once they've made the step of expanding into the marketplace and network so Thank you so much for taking the time today to tell us tell us your story and to to put Marketplace on the radar of anyone who might not have heard of it yet. It's been really interesting to see things from from the marketplace perspective. And uh, yeah, I'm really grateful no, for your time.
1: to meet you, Jesse, and um, thanks for letting me be part of your community.
0: Jason referred to some of our competitors in this episode. Good channel management solutions, and I don't plan to start filtering and removing other people's words from this podcast, but it would be remiss of me to not take this opportunity to make sure Chameleons on your radar as a solution for this. Channel management is a major part of what we do, but our particular focus lies one step further in making sure that the data that your channels receive is highly optimized for that channel. Our technology removes a lot of the barriers to creating channel-specific data for your marketplaces based specifically on the requirements set for your category and subcategory. When we built eChameleon, it was as an internal tool at an agency, where we'd use the channel management tools of our clients, and we gathered a lot of experience over the years, and built eChameleon to plug the product data gap which was missing in this space. When you're selling on marketplaces built by technologies such as Marketplacer or Miracle, even though some of the integration issues are solved, each channel still has its own taxonomy and attribute value requirements, which is where eChameleon stands out in the channel management space. If you want to find out more about this, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. In the meantime, I'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen into to Marketplace Jungle. I'll see you next time.